0: Welcome to What's Not Priced In, a weekly investor podcast by Fattail Investment Research. In a world of confusion and rapid change, experts Kirill Prakapenka and Greg Canavan look behind the headlines to unveil the hidden opportunities within the Australian stock market. Now, let's dive in to today's episode.
1: We have a new Reserve Bank Governor, but don't let that distract you from what matters. This episode we ponder the implications of the positive inflation data in the US. The key question is the cause behind the disinflation, fall in aggregate demand or normalizing supply. The former doesn't bode well for markets. We then discuss the divergence between market fundamentals and stock valuations, with real yields still high by stocks also rising. The market always looks ahead, but how far is too much? Greg then takes us through some gold stocks and in a general discussion of his valuation approach. The takeaway, remember, it's not a stock market, but a market of stocks. Hello and welcome back to, I think this is now the eighth episode of What's Not Priced In. I think it's been two months now already and the time has certainly flown by. Welcome again to Greg Kahneman. How are you today?
0: I'm well, Kirill. Yep, two months, mate, and uh, hopefully still going strong.
1: Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, people are still tuning in and uh, make make sure to leave any comments. And if you enjoy it, give it a thumbs up. But uh, we've got a lot to to get through uh, today. And obviously, as we are recording right now, there's some big news out there. By the time this gets uploaded, we'll have a new Reserve Bank governor. But and obviously, we have a lot of inflation data to get through. But on that, I just have a little quick quote from an equity analyst called James Valentine. I'll just share it with you. And he said, while the news may be interesting and provide new data points, it doesn't forecast the future, which is the job of an equity analyst. You can waste a lot of time reading stories that don't help pick stocks. So we've been reading a lot of stories and I'm guessing all of our viewers have also been reading stories, but that's not necessarily what this podcast is all about. It's all about interpreting, the data points and looking ahead into the future and seeing what's priced in and what's not so with that said we'll turn to the biggest story of this week which was the u.s inflation data and obviously it's surprised to the downside uh, i think uh over the last 12 months headline inflation in the u.s came in at three percent and that was down from about four percent year on year in may i think consensus forecast expected 3.1 so it came in below expectations and it's coming down fast that said, uh, we also have to consider core inflation. I think the the US Fed will look into that more so than the headline inflation. And core inflation was a little stickier, it was 4.8% over the last 12 months, but it was also down from 5.3% in May. And I think uh, one when that core data was released, um, major US indices obviously rose, and I think they uh, touched about 15 month highs so the market is responding quite well to it, but I think the the whole point of this episode is to really unpack what exactly this data means. And uh, now I turn turn to you, Greg.
0: Yeah, well, it's a big, big question, isn't it? And, yeah. and there's no doubt that the inflation data out of the US this week was the driving force behind the really strong reaction that was seen in the markets over the the, the best part of the week. Uh in saying that, it's in in terms of the Australian experience, the ASX two hundred is really back to where it was uh, maybe ten days ago. So mm-hmm. uh, there hasn't been any any major moves there. Uh, but there there has been the biggest move has been in the US dollar. Um, so perhaps we'll just look at at that and, and try to make some sense out of of where things could go from here, because I think there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of cross currents going on uh, right now in the markets and it probably at times like this, I know uh, what the feelings like people can get very caught up in rallies back on bull markets back. Everyone's bullish, but I think it's always worth really examining that viewpoint and not forgetting some of the things that have been going on. So the overall overall, Uh, picture that's been going on over the last 12 to 18 months has been interest rate rises. And one of the things we've talked about is the market hasn't been pricing in the higher for longer uh, interest rate Mm -hmm. uh, regime from central banks around the world. And I still think that story hasn't gone away. And uh, some of the charts I'll show you um, is just around the positioning of the market and, and when the positioning is at certain levels and then there's these surprise data like lower than expected inflation numbers that positioning gets unwound and has some big impacts on on market pricing but before we get to that i think one of the most important charts in terms of a change of of uh picture is this us dollar index and as you can see in the past few days it's really broken down uh to to new lows um this is the DXY US dollar index. So it's just really a measure of the US dollar versus uh, currencies like the euro, uh, the yen. Uh, and really what this is saying is that because the inflation data has, has come down so quickly, uh, there's the, the expectation that other central banks might continue tightening while the US central bank is nearly done, And I think there is probably one more rate rise priced yep. in in the US. And then, and then at that point, I think the market's getting more comfortable with the fact that the, the Fed will go on hold. And you know, this similar story to what we've been talking about over the past couple of months is that the, the tightening cycle is probably closer to being done than not. Mm-hmm. But the, the next layer of uh, of analysis on top of that is how long does the Fed stay on hold? And what is the impact of those past rate rises flowing through into the economy. So that just, and before I continue on with the US dollar story and the impact on commodities, I think it's just worth pointing out that inflation is really a uh, reflection of the demand and the supply story. Mm -hmm. So the, the question that I think will be looked at over the next couple of weeks is, is inflation coming down because supply is increasing and demand is still strong or is inflation coming down because yes, supply chains are normalizing still from the the supply chain shock of the COVID shutdowns, or is this more driven by a a weakness in demand? And if it's more driven by a weakness in demand and interest rates continue to stay high and the lagged impact of monetary policy continues to flow through, you're going to see problems for company earnings, Mm -hmm. in in the quarters to come. And I think that's the biggest question. I don't really know, and I don't think the market really knows what the answer to that is, but it's to me, it's all about risk and reward. And you've got an S&P 500 trading around about 20 times forward earnings. So you really have to ask yourself and we'll we'll look at some charts down the track on the real interest rates. You have to ask yourself, how much reward are you getting buying the S&P 500 at those, those levels? you're probably not getting a lot. You really need to be making a bet that real interest rates are going to fall quite sharply in order to, mm-hmm. to justify those high prices. But before we, we talk about that, let me just finish off with the the dollar index because it, it does have big implications for the commodity sector.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and, and obviously, commodities generally trade um, opposite to the... So when the US dollar is weak, commodity prices tend tend to do well. So I thought it's worth just highlighting how some of the key commodities have done in response to this sharp fall in the US dollar. And it's Mm -hmm. probably a bit surprising to see that, yeah, you've got gold prices still looking quite nice here. Gold's making, you know, trending up um, higher Mm -hmm. nicely, but it's still in this consolidation mode after, you know, quite a big... Uh, correction here over the past couple of months it's had a good little move over the past few weeks which is good to see but you know it's not breaking out to new highs it's not um, hugely bullish this is just an ongoing uh, upward trend which is good to see but it doesn't really match the the solid breakdown you're seeing here in the, mm-hmm. in the u.s dollar index it's a similar story here if we look at copper copper certainly looking a little bit better than what it was a few weeks ago it was turning back down there you're making Higher lows, which is good mm-hmm. to see. Um, this medium-term trend is still down, but it is possibly in the in the start of a, a new upward trend here. But again, compared to the highs that we saw back in early twenty twenty-three, uh, we're nowhere near up at that level uh, yet. Uh, again, similar situation. This is the silver price. Silver's had a really strong rally, mm-hmm. and silver obviously is is a is a really sort of high. Um, correlation play to, to weakness in the US dollar. So no surprise to see uh, silver prices surging there. That's good to see. But again, not up near those levels that silver found itself just a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. And here we've got, this is the US crude crude oil price, WTI futures. Uh, again, had a really good, good week on the back of that US dollar weakness, but still in this longer term downtrend uh, and a similar picture there for Brent Crude, which is the international Mm. uh, oil price benchmark. So this could be the start. Like if you look at um, both oil prices, they've been in this bottoming Mm. range here for, you know, the past three or four months, which is good to see. You know, it's it's tried to sell off into those levels and and found support and now it's rallying back higher. So this is certainly a good sign for the oil price. And we've gone through this really big, big, um, big, sell off mm-hmm. this bottoming formation and, and this if, if we can make a, uh, a higher low um, here in the months to come and that's going to be really bullish for oil and the good thing is a lot of the oil stocks especially on the Aussie market have held up really well um, throughout this sell off which just gives you an indication of the underlying earnings uh, and, and the valuation for that for that sector mm-hmm. so that's, uh, that's good to see and uh, one other thing I think is worth pointing out, uh, just on the uh, on the positioning of the market, uh, which is again uh, Im- important to understand. If we look at, so we do this every week, just to give you an idea of where the sentiment is in the market and, and still, this is the CNN Fear and Greed Index and still we're in extreme greed yeah. mode and we've been there uh, for well over a month now. Yeah. Um, very so greedy, three. very greedy. As you can see, we've got extreme greed, week ago extreme greed, a month ago extreme greed, a year ago we're in fear, fear mode. So that's been in that uh, range since early June. So it's it's over a month now. And on the, on the flip side of that, this is quite interesting. This is the uh, uh from the commitment of traders report. This is the S&P 500 net uh, speculative position. And throughout the bear market of 2022, you can see that traders were positioned uh, bearishly and, and obviously profiting from those bearish mm-hmm. bets. But even as the market was rising throughout the latter half of 2022 and into 2023, these bearish bets got higher and higher. And... As the as the, the the markets in the US have continued to rally uh, obviously these short traders are getting killed and in the last couple of weeks this peaked in uh, June and in the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks these bets have started to be unwound we're going to get new data on this tomorrow so that will reflect this week's big rally and I'm, I'm assuming that you're going to see a big fall yeah. in this positioning and we might um, just update. Everyone on that next week because the argument there, and and, um, let me go back to the chart of the S and P five hundred because the argument is if this is really just a positioning, a change in positioning that um, is behind this rally, then you wonder how how much more, how how much it's got in the way of of legs. So um, obviously this is a very bullish looking chart. Uh, so it's it's gone against the short positioning, and I suppose you have to say to yourself, well, how much of this is fundamentally driven, and how much of this is is driven by short covering because traders have just been caught yeah. short. And again, there's no you, you can't uh, you can't complain, you can't deny that this is a very bullish looking chart. It's breaking yeah. out to new highs. Uh, same with the the Nasdaq, new highs again here. Uh, but again, combining valuations and combining sentiment, my uh, question would be, is it, is it worth getting all bulled up and excited about a, a broader market rally when a lot of that is potentially to do with unwinding of short positioning yeah. and, and very bullish sentiment uh, that's been that way for, for the better part of a month? And it comes back to how do you sort of position for this or, or what do you do as an investor? And, and in my view, nothing has really changed. And we're, and we're looking at, uh, well, let, let me just point out one other um, move here. So this is the the bank index in, in Australia. So the banks are still trending lower. The banks aren't really doing anything. Yes, they've rallied a little bit the last couple of weeks. Uh, and if we look at, the ASX 200 in general it was looking pretty dicey here just a week ago Mm. it had dropped out of this larger consolidation range and now we're just back in the consolidation range we're recording this on Friday morning just before the market opens so we're obviously going to get another strong day today Mm. and you know does it break out of this consolidation range or just does it stay in here for a little bit longer so I I don't think people should be getting too carried away uh, with this rally. Clearly equity investors have said sh- small, uh, weaker inflation is, mm-hmm. bullish for, is bullish for equities. Um, but at the end of the day, we've still got interest rates at a pretty high level. Uh, we've still got central banks that are wanting to see inflation back down into that 2% mm-hmm. range before they start to even think about cutting rates. Uh, so my conclusion is it's the same as we've been talking about for a while. What's not priced in is, is higher for longer interest rates and equity markets are potentially getting too excited on the back of weaker inflation numbers, thinking we're off to the races again. Uh, whereas I would argue that you know inf- inflation is, is coming down mm. because of weaker demand, not necessarily because of normalisation of supply yeah. and ongoing strong demand.
1: Yeah. Well, I think everyone, you know, the market is clearly... Um forward facing it looks ahead but the question really is how far ahead is it looking and it seems like it's sort of already pricing in that maybe the the central banks across the world are going to pull off a miraculous soft landing and that real uh, yields are going to come down and I think um we talked about this last week and, and you've written about this to um to your subscribers as well the relationship or that really the the breakup in the relationship between real yields and stock prices. And I think, I don't know whether Morgan Stanley or not watches our podcast, but they released a note as well, uh, similar to what you've said, Nigel. And, just- oh, and suspiciously just after too. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. The, the the timing was very suspicious, mm-hmm. but I'll, I'll read the quote. And it said, um, notably, current price earnings ratios have decoupled from one of their most fundamental drivers, the 10-year US treasury real yield. Now this rate is the basic building block for discounting future cash flows, especially for long-duration growth stocks. The current 10-year real rate is in line with last October's cycle high, which correlated with a stock market tro and a PE ratio below 17. Today's forward PE ratio is, is of 20, and therefore looks completely unjustified. That's pretty strong.
0: Yeah, well, as uh, I think it's similar to what we we basically said last yeah. week. Um, and and real yields probably don't get enough attention in the marketplace. They mm-hmm. they are effectively the, the the real cost of the real cost of money, and it has to mm-hmm. be the foundation for how you value things. Um, so going back to what you, your your point, I think the market is in, in its uh, ongoing bullish way, looking through whatever downturn mm-hmm. is going to be the result of this tightening phase and, and and looking over the valley and saying, well, it's going to yeah. be sweet again at some point, which is, I guess it's the way the market works. And, yeah. and one thing I'd want to point out is that you don't want to become too uh, ideological in your view. You don't want to just sit there stubbornly and have your view, and you need to always respect yeah. uh, what the market's saying. And on the other hand, you need to try to work out whether the market's view is a realistic Mm -hmm. interpretation of what the fundamentals are. And the fundamentals sometimes can be interpreted through your own lens. So you can Mm -hmm. look at, pick and choose whatever fundamentals you want and say, well, that doesn't match with my view, therefore I'm going to sit in my bullish or bearish corner. And going back to the real yield, that is one of the key foundations for Mm -hmm. valuations and for, uh, the price of money effectively. So if we look at that, and um, I'm just going to update. So we've updated these charts that we showed last week on the real yields. Mm-hmm. And in the black, you've got uh, the real yields. And when we spoke about this last week, real yields had, had plunged down here. And, and I think we sort of said at that stage, look, I'd, I'd be very surprised if the, the nominal yields, because this is where nominal yields were, uh right back at their october 2000 and uh 2022 Mm -hmm. lows i think that the u.s 10-year yield bottomed uh sorry peaked uh at 4.22 percent in october and this time last week it had just got to a point where it was just over four percent again Mm -hmm. Uh, and we talked about uh bond funds probably being a good buy uh because of of that sort of reaching that level again and testing those lows and i think what we've seen here is a is a bounce back in the real in the real yield, um, or sorry, a fall in the real yield, mm-hmm. um, and that what's been behind that is the fall in nominal bond yields. Uh, so you can see this this separation here. This is the S and P 500. If the S and P 500 were to to catch up to this correlation that that has been pretty tight with up until the lows of October last year you'd see a fall of nearly 18%. Now, I'm not saying that's what you can expect, but I guess what I'm saying is the market is pricing in a real yield that is much closer to being up here than what it is down there. And and I'm not sure the only way real yields can fall that much is if the economy slows down to to an extent that sees nominal yields fall considerably. Mm. And I'm not saying that can't happen because obviously interest rate, high interest rates are gonna to continue to bite. Mm-hmm. But if the economy were to slow that much, then clearly that's gonna have a big impact on corporate profit yes. growth, which means justifying those levels in the stock market is, is harder to justify. So. Um, I'm not suggesting real yields are going to go up here and I'm not suggesting the S&P 500 is going to go here, but maybe meeting somewhere in the middle might be a, a more reasonable way to look at things. And again, going back to risk and reward, to me, this is not a good risk and reward uh, area to sort of look at or get into the market. Similar um, picture with the NASDAQ, except we've just got a, a larger disconnect here. There's a 23% difference between those uh, those two. Asset prices. If we look at uh, gold, uh, it's it's slightly uh, closer. Mm-hmm. The gold price is about seven and a bit percent higher than where real yields suggest they should be. Uh, and the S and P sorry, the ASX two hundred has got a, a reasonable correlation with mm-hmm. the U S real yields as well. And both of those asset markets bottomed uh, around the same time last year. And again, the the ASX two hundred is. Really moved away from that, similar to the U.S. indices, but again, the disconnects not quite as bad. You're looking at it just a bit over nine mm-hmm. percent there. The other thing I wanted to point out, uh, and and one of the uh, one of the services that we we have at Fat Tail Investment Research is an algorithm that uh, runs the copper gold mm-hmm. ratio, and the copper gold ratio here is in uh, red. And we've just overlaid that with the real yield or the tips Mm -hmm. just to show the correlation and and explain what the copper gold ratio uh, is about. So, when the copper gold ratio is falling, it's really the market's way of saying that defensive assets or a defensive positioning is favored over a expansionary or uh, economic growth type of vibe. Mm -hmm. So obviously when copper's rising, uh, that's pretty good for industrial growth, economic growth around the world. Uh, And when copper is falling, uh, obviously that puts question marks over that bullish view. So when you've got a falling copper gold ratio, that's generally negative for asset Mm -hmm. markets. Rising copper gold ratio, generally good for asset markets. And just in the last, let's say, it peaked here in February 21, and then we've seen a big fall again. And I think behind that is the, the whole argument around China and, um, you know, the reopening phase. And I think there was a lot of optimism here around China's reopening and the effect on the global economy. And around this point, obviously, it got to a situation where the market realised that the China reopening wasn't going to be as bullish as, as previously expected. So you saw the copper-gold ratio fall again, and we've just seen a little bit of a pickup in that over the last couple of, couple of months. But the correlation here between copper-gold and the real yields is, is reasonably good. So I guess what I'm saying is both of these indicators are at relative lows, mm-hmm. whereas you've got the S&P 500, the ASX 200, the NASDAQ, all that sort of stuff, up around these levels. Um, yep. And there's just that disconnect there that suggests as an investor, you should probably be a little bit cautious about uh, this r- uh, latest rally. You should be a little bit cautious about thinking, oh, is yeah. it time to get back into the market? I'm going to go buy some index funds. Uh, I still think we're we're firmly in a, a stock picking market. I'm not saying that it's bearish overall. I'm just saying that the Real opportunities out there are in individual stocks that result Mm -hmm. that require uh, proper valuation analysis, research, trying to work out which ones are in sweet spots, which ones are overvalued and potentially risky, rather than just being all out bullish on the market or 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 bearish. So, uh, not not to me, it's not an easy market to try and work Mm -hmm. out what's going on, especially when you get three or four days. Of really strong price action, you've got the U.S. indices looking really bullish. Uh, but I would just question as a general trend of whether that bullish trend is going to continue.
1: Yeah, and I think from that Morgan Stanley note as well, uh, it said that you know this time may be different, but uh, market fundamental fundamentals should not be this contradictory. So whether the bull run is go has legs or not there's still it should still all hang together the the real yield should still have a strong relationship to to asset prices so we'll definitely see what what the next six months have in store
0: i was going to say that there should that that fundamentally should anchor Mm -hmm. should be an anchor for stocks indices in in general in the same way that when a stock price moves well above its moving average the moving average does anchor that that mm-hmm. price back down towards it, even if in the short term. So, uh, in the short term, I would say that the US indices are quite stretched. Uh, and a lot of that is to do with this unwinding of, of mm-hmm. previous bearish bets. And uh, this time next week, we'll, we'll show an update on that positioning and, and see whether it has been unwound or whether, uh, you know, people are putting more bearish bets on and, and, you know, there's more pain. But people talk about this pain trade. And I think the pain trade mm-hmm. is. Obviously, being short and expecting the market to go down, and as that has not bared fruit, then those traders are really getting punished, and they're unwinding those bets. Mm-hmm. That's pushing prices higher. You've got mm-hmm. sentiment levels that have been in the extreme greed range for a month or so. Mm-hmm. Again, you put all these things together, and that just—that's for a, for an investor. It's not good long-term risk reward trading is different and i'm not much of a short-term trader never really have been i'm sort of always looking at this from longer term invest investing mm. investment positions and uh yeah that's where i would be cautious on on markets uh and and bullish only on individual stocks
1: yeah i think i think if uh, the relationship between real yields decouples from stock valuations that would be a a whole rupture in fundamental analysis because we definitely rely on the real yields to anchor
0: valuations and, you know, the whole discount you know, rate and everything. To be honest, I don't know what I'd do, Carol, if uh, that happened. I'd be <laughs> very confused and, uh, yeah, wouldn't know wouldn't know You'll how be- to interpret that. So we'll see. We'll see. You'll become because a momentum
1: I'm- trader. You'll start trading. <laughs> You'll become a trader. Yeah, but, dartboard, uh, trader. yeah um, dartboard trader. Yeah, dartboard trader. Uh, just breaking news as well, uh, with Michelle Bullock has now become the Reserve Bank Governor, so I think she was the Deputy Governor. And so probably nothing really is going to change. I think you texted me beforehand saying that they're all bureaucrats, so it's all going to be the same.
0: Well, okay, um, <laughs> let's be honest. The three people that were up for consideration, I think Michelle Bullock's been uh, at the bank since 1985. Okay. The other two a lifelong Bureaucrats, we're really not getting much different to what yep. we've had. So there's going to be a lot of stuff written by it. And, and sure, the individual is important, that leads, leads a bank. Yep. Uh, but generally, these appointments are designed to not change anything. Yeah. So uh, I wouldn't say I don't care or anything like that, but I would say it's really not that important.
1: Yeah, it's I mean, she's not going to come out
0: and start cutting <laughs> rates or raising rates. It's there's, the whole idea behind these changes is to make sure there's as little change as possible. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so, as you were. <laughs> exactly. Well,
1: they, you've heard it here first. But I think with, um, I just maybe had a broader question for you in terms of what your views are of this market, because I think. There's so many different contradictory messages. So I think the real yield is decoupling. I think the the market breadth itself is quite narrow. So some tech stocks are surging, and most of the other stocks are really going nowhere. What what are your views of the market right now? Are you are you confused? Are you excited? Are you optimistic? Cautious? Uh,
0: I won't say cautiously optimistic. That's probably the worst. <laughs> cliche Cliche, invented in financial markets i am confused but uh the way i sort of deal with that confusion is that i always look at uh markets from two different perspectives you've got the fundamental view Mm -hmm. and then you've got the technical view and the technical Mm -hmm. view is just the charts yeah and i find that uh really valuable to look at that because the charts are really just a window into the the psychology of the market so by having uh, charting analysis mixed with fundamental analysis, mm-hmm. you can put those two things together and things become a lot, not necessarily clearer, but you, mm-hmm. you you gain a bit more perspective from that. So if you're looking at markets purely from a fundamental perspective, you're confused because you're saying, I don't understand. And interest rates have been rising for the past six, uh, 18 months. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got had bank failures in the US. Uh, the economy's clearly slowing down. Yet the S and P 500 uh, and and Nasdaq are nearly back at all time Mm -hmm. highs after defying all predictions throughout 2023 and rallying. China's slowing down. I think we had trade data yesterday from China showing trade uh, import and export volumes have have slowed and were below expectations. So on the one hand, you've got fundamentally you've got a slowing global economy and you've Mm -hmm. got rising markets when you look at it from a charting perspective, you just see those trends and you think, okay, well, that trend is bullish. So you you move, you merge those two together. And this is what I was saying before you come to a, a conclusion that there's no um, uh, there's no high probability trade here yep. because markets are very bullish in terms of their charting technical picture uh, but also from a fundamental picture, there's not a lot of risk and reward. So yeah. when you get those two conflicting signals, I just tend to say, well, you know what? There's not there's not a lot to be pessimistic about, but there's not a lot to be excited about either. Mm-hmm. So you don't necessarily need to do anything. And this yeah. is where I was saying, you just you look at individual stocks and you mm-hmm. say, okay, is there an opportunity in this individual stock? Is yeah. it oversold for some reason? Has it been neglected for? whatever reason so that's where i'm focusing my attention on the individual stocks and not getting too not f- focusing too much energy on trying to work out where the market is going because mm-hmm. there are conflicting signals and and to me that's just a low probability trade a low probability outcome there's no point punting on it if you look at the ASX 200 it's gone sideways for 2 mm-hmm. years and and the price action of the last couple of days has not changed that at all mm-hmm. we're just back to where we were 10 days ago yeah. So you can get yourself really focused on on the latest news and what it means, but sitting back, bigger picture, um, Michelle Bullock's not going to change the interest rate outcome anytime soon. Those the interest rate in Australia may or may not go up one more time. I know mm-hmm. the data from the US this week was was uh, at least positive on the fact that rate rises won't mm-hmm. be more excessive than what was previously thought. Um, but the reality is that rates are going to stay high for longer and, yeah. and that's not and the market's not pricing that in. And I think that's where I'm focused on understanding that you know there is probably risk from a, uh, a broader market perspective and then just focusing on the opportunities. and looking, going back to the very start, looking at the DXY, the dollar index and the breakdown there, and the fact that commodities have been underperforming for so long. Uh, I think in select commodities, I think that's where you can really um, uh, look for some opportunities uh, in, in the months to come because if this breakdown in the US dollar index is sustainable, then to me the, this whole bear market or this cyclical bear market that we've seen in commodities over the past six to 12 months uh, could well be could well be over. So we're looking at energy, looking at the ongoing rises in the gold price, uh, copper. Uh, nickel all those sorts of stocks uh, that have been under the pump uh you know that could be could be close to the end of the end of the bear market for for that sector so that's something that you know I'd be I'd be looking a bit more closely at
1: yeah and I think we'll maybe get into a, a quick discussion of gold stocks uh soon but I just wanted to yeah to read to read your message that um even though central banks are probably going probably near the end of their rate hike cycle they aren't going to just quickly unwind all of that back it's going to remain like that for maybe a year or two and i think now this message is sort of percolating through the media and i think now this uh, phrase is like the last mile of inflation so to get inflation down from three percent to two percent which is the target range is going to be like the final hurdle and i think this sort of the analogy is to the last mile delivery where I think the hardest part of delivery is to get the package from the the last mile from the, like the warehouse to to the store and now they're sort of saying that this is sort of the the analogy to to inflation. Yes, inflation has come down to 3% in the US, but a lot of economists are now saying it's going to be quite tough and quite a long battle to get that down to 2. And especially with the core inflation reading it's still at 4.8, so the the less volatile inflation out there that's sort of felt by everyday people is still quite high, and so it's going to take a while to to bring that back down.
0: Yeah, you're exactly right, and it goes to what we're saying: the market's just jumping ahead and saying yeah. that you know the inflation inflation battles won. Uh, it's back to 2021, um, but I think you know we've definitely seen a, a regime change over the last couple of years, so we mm. need to keep in mind that. That story hasn't gone away, and the only way you're going to get inflation back under two percent in a in a really short time frame is to effectively put the economy in a recession. Again, that's not good for company earnings, yeah. and buying those earnings at twenty times in the US it's a little it's a little uh, better equation in Australia, uh, but buying those earnings at that price mm-hmm. again, low probability bet that you don't really want to. It's just a it's just a bet you don't need to make, so yeah. don't need to yeah. worry about it.
1: Yeah. Well, now maybe we can turn to to gold stocks. And uh, you've been saying that you were uh, picking up some interesting charts in terms of some gold stock performance over the last few weeks.
0: Yeah, I thought, um, I mean, we, we have talked about, we talked about yep. gold in an episode a couple of weeks ago, just uh, highlighting the relationship just here between the fact that real yields had been going lower and the gold price hadn't been matching that. So uh, I think at the time I said, uh not overly bearish on gold, but just cautious and and mindful that you know there could be a could be a sell off to catch up with that. That yeah. obviously hasn't eventuated. And just when I looked at the performance of the ASX 300 uh, so far this week, the out of the top 20 performers, 11 of them mm-hmm. have been gold stocks. Uh, so I thought it'd be just worth running through those quickly and and just seeing. And we talked a bit. A minute ago, about the uh, the charting outlook for stocks, yeah. uh, whether stocks are in uptrends or downtrends, whether they're just going sideways, all these yeah. things are important to work out uh, short term moves mm-hmm. and see whether those short term moves have actually changed anything in the overall trend or whether it's mm-hmm. just uh, more of the same. So, I thought we could just run through those 11 gold stocks that were the best have been the best mm-hmm. performers this week. So, I've got uh capricorn metals uh really good week um but you know it's still it's still sort of trending trending down to sideways i would just say this is in a consolidation range so not not much change there uh De Grey mining had a really good rally from a from being oversold again not really changing anything in the overall picture at the moment um The only one that's really broken out to new highs is Bellevue Gold. So that's a Mm -hmm. a, a really, really strong move. Obviously it's got to probably come back and consolidate that move, but that's a, that's a good looking, good looking chart. Uh, Regis Resources, uh, again, uh, it's, it's sold off the past couple of months and is really Mm -hmm. rallying strongly from that sold off position. Uh, West Gold Resources uh, coming back up to its highs that it reached in May. Uh, So whether it, Breaches that today will uh, remains to be seen. Uh, evolution uh, Mining, again, decent sell off here over the past couple of months. Good, good reaction from those oversold levels. Uh, resolute Mining, um, more of the same. WAF again. This is West African Resources. Mm-hmm. Big sell off here over the past really over the past year or two, mm-hmm. um, and just just rallying um, again from oversold levels. Same with uh, Perseus Mining, another African miner. Same with Silver Lake Resources rallying off oversold low levels, and the same with Red Five. So, as much as the the uh, the rally in the gold stocks has been positive this week, and it's been obviously the best mm-hmm. performer in terms of sectors, hasn't really changed much in the in the big picture. If you if you were seeing gold stocks break out from uh, multi-month consolidation periods, all that sort of stuff. Then that's mm. where you say, "Okay, look, this this move yeah. potentially means something," and this move could mean something. But w- looking at it right now, it's just like, well, "Okay, well, they're, they're sold off for the, for the past couple of months. Perhaps as a lot of people were getting bearish and, and looking at yeah. putting on short positions and, and expecting further falls, that didn't happen. You're seeing a lot of those bets being unwound, uh, and that's where you're getting getting the reaction. So, um, I, as I said. Couple of weeks ago, I'm um, long-term bull on gold. Uh, got about five or six gold stocks in our mm-hmm. client portfolio. Uh, haven't sold any of those uh, in the, in the correction. Um, lo- looking for uh, times to get back in. I think mm-hmm. we put a uh, buy on Gold Road uh, Resources a couple of weeks ago when it came out with a, a weaker production report mm-hmm. and its share price fell quite sharply. So just looking at those uh moments or or sharp sell-offs to to buy the dip effectively um but i think you want to see a little bit more positive action uh from the from the gold gold sector um before getting too excited
1: yeah yeah and i think maybe just we can maybe end on a little discussion i think on how you just your evaluation approach and i think you've already mentioned i think it's really easy to get bogged down in uh, the macroeconomic news and just looking at the front page of the wall street journal or something and see that the nasdaq is just continuing to surge and inflation's coming down and always this the bull run or not but at the end of the day if you're not a passive investor you'll have to choose individual stocks and if you choose individual stocks you have to sort of appraise their individual businesses and some businesses are maybe more exposed to business cycles more so than others but there are businesses that are sort of maybe more resilient and you can sort of forget about the wider economic picture and just be an individual stock picker. And I think maybe sometimes um, that is so maybe overlooked in the wider press because the focus is so strong and so, I don't, so strong. Yeah. So just so, so strong on the macroeconomic forces, but like yep. you always said, it you, you don't necessarily have to think of it as a stock market. It's a market of stocks. It's just, investing in businesses and some businesses may do well regardless of what's happening in the wider economy.
0: Yeah, and it comes down to what is the market pricing yep. in for that business and and has it become overly optimistic or overly pessimistic about its uh, prospects? And what I like to do is is look for stocks, good quality stocks that might have fallen 30, 40, 50 yep. percent. And then because they've disappointed so many investors with that fall, They've just sold it. It's gone out the back door. It's not on the front page of the AFR anymore. It's not in any page of the AFR. It's just—it's almost a discarded story that mm-hmm. people have forgotten about. But at the end of the day, it's still a business. It's still generating yep. cash flows and 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 profits. And one of the key things that I look at is profitability. So return on equity, uh, and. I've got a obviously a, a valuation approach. I won't go into the details here, but if you if you uh, do evaluation on a on a, a reasonably conservative discount rate, and I yeah. always use as a starting point eight uh, percent. So I'm effectively I'm saying I need an eight percent return from this investment to make it stack up. Yeah. Uh, then if you get a good result from that, and you think there's uh, a lot of pessimism priced in. I also look at the charts to make sure that you're not buying into a well-defined downtrend. You want to sort of see a bit of stability in the charts or maybe a bit of an uptrend taking place. Uh, then, you know, that that's always a good, for me, that's a good sign uh, that, you know, you might have a good contrarian opportunity. But one of the things I, I don't want to do is invest in popular stocks because yep. often that's, that's a way that some people invest and they do really well out of it. But I always try to go for the unpopular stock because that's where you find value so um you know perhaps yeah. we can we can do an episode yeah. uh one time in the weeks ahead on on that type of approach and get into the nuts and bolts of the valuation uh t- to me sometimes the the crowd split between putting them to sleep with that type of talk or uh you know getting a, a lot of interest out of it so yeah, that's look, if you're interested in in that discussion maybe let us know in the comments um and and we'll, we'll, we'll see how we go yeah,
1: and please do say that because I w- I would definitely want to do an episode like that. So if if the crowd responds well, we'll we'll definitely do it. And then maybe I'll um talk about the dividends discount model
0: that you seem to hate so much. I keep I keep shutting Kirill down. He wants to yeah. talk about dividend discount model, and I'm yeah. always saying, Nah, mate, it's not uh it's not relevant. Only because I'm not a fan of yeah. dividend discount valuations. Well, and, yeah, maybe
1: uh, there'll be um. An a special episode with your uh, return and equity model versus the uh, the dividend discount model, and we'll see who or comes out. Or maybe top.
0: we could do uh late nights with uh, with <laughs> on the yeah. dividend discount model for the for the for the hardcore hardcore yeah. listener.
1: <laughs> An audience of one, it's just me. Exactly. But uh, with that said, I think we've covered quite a lot of ground there. And um, so maybe just to round off, what's your what's your biggest message of this week for what's not priced in? I'm guessing it's got to do with the. Uh, Real yields and the disconnect between the fundamentals.
0: It's the same same story. Real yields are yep. dis- disconnect, and the fact that uh, the market is thinking rates the higher for longer story for rates aren't going to have an impact. Uh, and I think higher for longer is definitely a risk. And the only way that rates don't stay higher for longer yep. is if uh, economic weakness kicks in much sharper than expected. Which is not good for company earnings. So I can't see a lot of can't see a lot of reason for continued upside. Mm-hmm. Potentially unwinding of those uh, short positioning bets. Yep. Uh, but apart from that, uh, I would just leave by saying good news on the inflation front, but don't get too excited about it being the reason for a new bull market. Yeah. So you're cautiously optimistic. Uh, optimistically cautious. I don't know. I just hate that, hate that yeah. phrasing. So, I'm just looking for good stocks at good prices, Girl.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that's the eternal message. Well, with that, we'll, yeah. we'll leave it to it and hope everyone has a good day.
0: No worries. And just lastly, uh, yep. because um, we operate on the YouTube thing, uh, the algorithm does like thumbs up uh, yeah. and comments. And it does say, "Oh, people are listening to this yep. podcast. We might put it in front of other people." So, yep. uh, just ask a favor if you are listening and you did enjoy it. Uh, give us a thumbs up and give it a put thumbs in a up. Comment, to say whether you want Kirill's dividend discount model. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, Please, uh, do. My Please do. Please <laughs> do. All right. But thanks for listening. Yep. See ya.
1: Thanks for joining What's Not Priced In, your weekly source of unique ideas in the Australian stock market. If you've enjoyed this episode, please show your support by following us on your chosen platform and turn those post notifications on so you don't miss a thing. And uh, stay tuned for the upcoming episodes as we delve into new topics, new trends and new stocks. Thanks for your support. Hope to see you next week.